mittens and potluck. Potluck mittens. What does that have to do with the Christmas story? I get to put that question to Carter during this episode of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Hey, it's Rochelle and Carter with the sixth part of the 12 Days of Christmas. We're on the sixth day for your Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Halfway through, because, you know, it's been every day in here with Rochelle. What? Man, it's just been, uh, yeah, just, you know, now we're on the downhill, about to only have to go back to once a week. It seems like you are growing tired of my company. (laughs) How dare you? That's every morning anyway. (laughs) Uh, No, in fact, if you are actually dealing with, I'm totally kidding about that, but if you're dealing with a struggling, a a co-worker that's frustrating or a struggling situation, I want to encourage you. A relaxing song? Sure. I've been playing a Christmas song every one of these. Lauren Daigle's Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. This one has certainly helped me out with my own struggle with a coworker. Oh, who's that? Here it is. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now Oh, those horns. It's like a jazzy, New Orleans-y type of, but oh my goodness. You know when she says, let your heart be light, uh-huh. and she barely touches the T? Light. Light. Like a light. Like, light. Yeah. Yeah. I feel lighter now. That's- <laughs> Thank you, Lauren Tegel. <laughs> All right, so this is day six of our uh, our special edition of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've, what, you want to go over what we've, what we've done already? Oh, okay. Yeah. And I will not sing it this time. You're not going to sing, okay. Especially after Lauren. Hey, let me sing now. <laughs> so on the first day of Christmas, our true love gave to us a child born to pay our penalty, two trusting parents, mm-hmm. three seeking wise men. Yeah, potentially. Four trust, uh, excuse me, taxing purposes. And uh, we just did yesterday, yeah, the five joy-filled letters. Maybe it would have helped if I'd sang it. It might have helped. Usually you do it, like, you just do it without thinking. I know, right? But on this sixth day, six angel messages. You brought this up, and I was like, all right, mm. visits from angels. All all Gabriel, I think, that you said. Was it him every time? Yeah. Was he the messenger every time? Yes. And I could not think of all of them. I There's two that are very obvious, and then I'm like, what are these other ones going to be? So you want to start in chronological order. Here. I do. But okay. I, first, I want to ask you, when you think of an angel. Yeah. What do you think of? The first thing. My, that, my wife. You're. <laughs> Brownie points. Kelsey, if you're listening. Yeah. You just got everything you asked for for Christmas. There it is. Um, I, No, seriously. When you think of an angel, maybe it's the nativity angel that you grew up looking at mm-hmm. at your church. Or maybe you had one in your home. Or maybe it's the the poster of the angel that you see at the supermarket or do you have an image in your brain yeah i i think i go back and forth of the nativity but the you know but the bible talks about you know the the fire around you know these are intimidating individual people were scared you know so it wasn't like this cutesy uh what is it uh what's the thing the uh the, the cherub uh the cher- well uh what's the, the i don't know the people their decorations that your mother-in-law has uh, the precious moments? It's not precious moment angels necessarily. No, not even necessarily. They're definitely not precious moments well, angels. They are doll-like, and there are a lot of people creeped out by dolls. Well. Precious moments. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, I personally love Inesco. But anywho, uh, these angels, I think you're right. They would have been intimidating looking. Yes, the first words out of their mouth were usually, do not be afraid. No, not usually. Every time, do not be afraid. Yeah. You're not. But uh, yeah, I have to remember that whenever I see the beautiful 
chubby cherub angels or whatever that we we have displayed in art, even Renaissance art mm-hmm. shows these angels looking maybe more feminine or it's it's fascinating because what we know about them tells us that they were warriors. Mm-hmm. They were hugely intimidating. They were they, these are God's army generals, right? Yeah. Gabriel was an archangel. He was one of the generals, right? He was a big deal. And when he sent Gabriel, Gabriel was there on orders. And if you've ever been in the military, I have military in my family. You follow through with your orders. And that's he was there on business, but he also had good news. So it was it was an exciting kind of delivering of a message. But uh, yeah, if you could somehow envision, I don't know who that looks like for you. Somebody who's fierce, but awesome and strong and powerful. But they use that strength for everything good because God is good good. Mm. And that's the kind of being that would come and visit people. So yeah, that's why the reaction would probably have been, we don't read their reaction in scripture, but we hear it in the words, the first words that the angel would tell them. Oh, no, no. Hold on. Don't be afraid. Yep. It's okay. Get up. Yep. <laughs> so the very first encounter was with a guy named Zachariah. Zachariah was a priest. Zachariah was an older man. And Zachariah, it was his turn to burn incense in the temple. And this was a, a huge privilege. It was his turn. And this guy had been from the beginning when the people were chosen. I think it was through King David. It doesn't necessarily matter the history of that for this part of the story, but it is a fascinating history because the Levi tribe was established back with Moses. This is going to be the priestly tribe. And that was the tribe that Moses was a part of. And it was set up even through King David at the temple. These are the people that would serve, and this is how they would serve. And it was Zechariah's turn, and he goes in. And at this time, the people of Israel, they had been in exile situations for centuries, like 500 years, even shares that five, for 500 years, we didn't hear the voice of God. Then all of a sudden, in a temple encounter, suddenly Zechariah hears the voice of God. I don't think I realized that. I knew those two things, but I did not realize that this was the first. Zechariah was the first time that they, that God was heard from. I think that, that now, if I'm if I'm wrong, I would love to hear. Back and I'm not you. saying that. I'm 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 just I don't know. So I'm uh, fascinated that this was this was the one here. We could go into the future a little bit and talk about a guy named Simeon who hung out at the temple who did hear from the Holy Spirit. People yeah. did hear from the Holy Spirit, but like on a like on a plane of like, hey, this is what the temple has shared that God is telling us. I don't think that that had been something that had happened. His voice had gone he he'd gone quote dark i don't know if i can use that analogy with the the holy of holies but uh zachariah goes into the temple area and interestingly enough the priests some of their garb it included having bells on mm-hmm. the end of their sashes You're right because for the very purpose of as long as they heard jingles of those bells throughout the temple then they knew that the priest was okay they had to go through a lot of cleansing rituals they had to be right before god and in order for them to stay alive, they had to go through these rituals. Yeah. So if the bells stopped ringing, oh, there goes another one. Yeah. Some priests were drug out of that situation because they had died in the presence of the holy, well, holy God. They had uh, tied the rope to their waist so people would drag they them out. They could drag them right out. Oh, bells didn't ring. Man, I thought yeah. he was a good one too, you know? I, yeah. don't know. I hope it was a little less callous than that. But that was a, that was a reality. So we know that Zachariah was a righteous man because he went into this situation and he did not die. In fact, it was Zachariah that God had selected to be the father to a man named John the Baptist Mm -hmm. who would prepare the way for Jesus later. 
the voice crying in the wilderness is what the prophet called him. And Zechariah, he sees the angel. The angel's like, hey, whoa. You know, yeah. he must have been intimidated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't be afraid, but you're going to have a baby. And then instead of the like, oh, yes, we finally heard a word from God. Yes, this is the moment. This is amazing. Instead of saying that, he goes, really? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Hey, did I think at least I, I don't mind his reaction. Because, you don't mind <laughs> because at least he said what we potentially would all think. I, I to some degree, maybe not everybody, but he, I'll just say for me, you have he, sympathy for him. I, I have sympathy because I think I would think that. I don't know if I'd have the guts to say it out loud or not. <laughs> if you're already afraid, wouldn't you just go? Oh, okay, okay, you know. But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's good that he doubted out loud. I don't know. I don't maybe. Know. And he, but he did, he doubted out loud. And, you know, he were like, I'm okay with that. Guess who wasn't okay with that? Uh, Gabriel. And he said, you know, because you doubted my words, the words that I was sent here ordered by God, you know, the, the, the chief, yeah. <laughs> he sent me to tell you these, I'm sorry, brother, but it's not going to be until the birth of little John. And, and I'm not talking about Robin Hood that came out weird. I, I thought you were talking about the rapper. <laughs> <laughs> not until the birth of your baby, who you will name John. Uh-huh. Uh, that you'll be able to, you're not going to hear anything. You're not going to be able to say anything. So you can imagine what people must have felt and gone through when Zacharias comes out, Zachariah, excuse me, comes out of the temple. Clearly he looks ashen. His face is white. He's like, uh, mm-hmm. he can't say anything. No. So there, what happened? I'm sure he wrote it down at some point. They figured it out. And Elizabeth certainly figured it out. His wife, because even though she was long in the tooth as well, God establishes something, God follows through with something. And she got preggers and she is going to have the baby John the Baptist. But before we get to that, Carter, there's the second angel encounter. Well, before we get to that. Oh, you got something else? uh, When John the Baptist was born, you know how they celebrated? With a potluck. Because he was Baptist. You were just waiting for me to stop talking so you could say that. Uh, a little bit. You feel better about yourself? Bit. No, you no. Really, you know what's great, though? And during this podcast, it's like, oh, Rochelle, heavy, heavy, heavy. Carter, hey, potluck. I know sometimes I don't want to be the guy that's like, hey, Carter pops in with these stupid things occasionally. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I don't want to be that fan, guy. Yeah. It's fantastic. Because it, it keeps it in a place, I think, where we are supposed to receive this incredible story with light. Absolute light. Yeah, yeah. There are some aspects of it that are quite heavy, though. Oh, my goodness, so. yeah. Well, the, the next one, the angel visit, is Mary, I believe, is second. Mm-hmm. And, yes. of course, that's that's the most famous one of them yeah. all. This was an actual angel visit. This was not in a dream. This was her being told, uh, you're going to you're gonna carry the baby, the Messiah. You're going to name him Jesus. Yep. He's going, we covered that yesterday, and, you know, about his name, and he's going to save his people. And so that's one that maybe doesn't need to get talked about as much on this, on this maybe portion not. or not, but it's the most important one. Probably. It is the most important, probably. Yeah. And, and the fact that you just try to uh, try to go deeper when you think about her in that moment, you, now that you know what we know about Mary and mm-hmm. how old she probably was, maybe 12 and that there was no CGI effects back in the day. So anything that she would have been seeing standing in front of her with that kind of magnitude would have that would blow anybody away in did, real life. Did right? you know? Did you know that in the early stages of film, when mm-hmm. the first movie came out, uh, I can't remember what they. Maybe it was when the first explosion on a movie or whatever it was. Okay. That people got so frightened 
that they'd never seen anything like that before. They were running out of the theater. Because they thought it was real. Because this is in the early 1900s. Yeah. So could you imagine mm-hmm. when there's not been any sort of photography, no sort of, like you said, effects. Right. This is what you're seeing is not human. And that's why Gabriel's words to her again were, do not be afraid. Yeah. And then he tells her all the things that you just shared. And does she have the same reaction as Zachariah? No, no, she has a de- no. Again, we don't know what she was thinking, but I well, it goes into her thoughts a little bit here and there. But uh, no, she she takes it and says, "Yeah, okay, let's let's yeah. do this." Essentially, is, is at least how she comes off. The only thing she asks him is, "Okay, I haven't been with Joseph in that way yet, so how is this a thing? How's this actually going to work?" And and yeah, I just for clarification, it's not yeah. because I'm doubting you. Yeah. And the angel says, "Because the Holy, this is the this is going to be God's son. The Holy Spirit will cover you." And you will be preggers. Yeah. So um, that was amazing. But then I also what the angel shares with her, I think this reveals to me how considerate our God is. He knows the fragility of his little girl, Mary. He knows her heart and he knows that she will feel alone, even though he's right there with her and literally inside her tummy right there with her. He knew she would need some companionship, people who understand the quote outrageous and he tells her about Elizabeth, her cousin. Yeah. Because Elizabeth and Zachariah are her cousins. So she knows that she can go visit Elizabeth and just hang out with somebody who who gets it. Yeah. And it's an incredible encounter. Your hips hurt too? Yeah. The encounter, Elizabeth doesn't know because there's, you know, there's no text messaging or anything, but no Instagram back then. She has no idea that Mary's coming or pregnant. Maybe she knew she was coming. But she didn't know she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. The moment Mary comes into Elizabeth's house, she goes, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, like John does like jumping jacks inside of Elizabeth's tummy. Yeah. And she instantly knows Mary's having the Messiah. She instantly knows. It's incredible. Yeah. The third encounter, I think, as a, as a guy is fascinating. And we've talked a little bit about on the second episode of the Two Trusting Parents, Joseph's character. Mm-hmm. His isn't a dream. And that's why yeah. it would, and it's he. It's explained. This is probably the second most famous one. Um, that it's explained that this is what's happening, yeah. and you know, and Mary, Mary is a virgin, uh, but you're to marry her and, and be the father, the earthly father of the Messiah. And uh, I would be waking up going, ah, a crazy dream. I had too much pita last night. You know, I mean, it's really good that Carter wasn't chosen. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> But I will say, Jesus probably would have had a lot more dad jokes yeah, with that in his true. life. So that's probably, I mean, you know. But yeah, this child was holy, so. <laughs> dad jokes are not evil. Are they the, are they the bane of your existence? Is that what's <laughs> Only happening? Only during these podcasts. Okay, potluck. Moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, okay, so that that was an incredible experience. Did you have more to add? Oh, just that his character, that he woke up with the faith to to comply to that? From a man's standpoint, though. I mean, you know, here is the guy. The guy's part of it is uh, to be the caretaker, right? The woman is the nurturer. This is generally, these are the gender roles that mm-hmm. society has given. But it's also, even though it may be stereotypical, it God has designed us. Sometimes stereotypes come along because it's like, oh, I see consistencies in these types of things. Women are nurturers. Literally, we're the ones who feed our children. We house the children for nine months, you know. We are nurturing people. And the man, yeah, in those times where the woman is at home nurturing the child, there is the need for go go out and get the meat or whatever. That's right. That's how we say it, too. Go out and get the meat. Yeah. Cook it and brisket and potluck. Smoke it. So uh, for Joseph to say, yes, Lord, I will take the responsibility of going and providing for your son. Hmm. 
That's huge, I would imagine. Uh, that'd be a daunting job. Yeah. Could you imagine the pressure? And I mean, we, there's been times we've joked about family relationship with, with Jesus of, you know, imagine being Jesus' brother growing up yeah. and you're not as good as Jesus, you know, and all that. But, um, and, you know, trying to you know, punish Jesus for something you thought he, well, you know, like the story was when he was 12 and he wasn't yeah. there. And yeah. But could you imagine the pressure of of literally being in charge and knowing you, knowing the whole time, because mm-hmm. clearly from even before his birth, you knew this is the Messiah you don't know what all exactly that entails, but but the the pressure of this is God's kid. I don't yeah. want to screw this up. Right, right, and that's why another reason why we just kind of we we think, well, that must have been daunting for Mary and Joseph. But God entrusts us in that same way. We house the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. We have Him inside us. We hmm. are we are like walking nativities. We have baby Jesus in us, right? <laughs> the full grown. Spirit of the living God is in us. Yeah. And so that it, that is a responsibility up into some degree of saying yes to that and saying, yes, Lord, teach me. But honestly, a lot of it is just us releasing things over to him and allowing him to show us the ropes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think in a lot of ways, maybe just like we as parents um, from a very human standpoint, when we parent our children today, many parents would tell you our children have taught us as much as we have taught them. Mm. And so I would imagine it would have been very true too with Jesus. Yeah. The creator of the universe is my child. So he probably taught me a few things. Um, I'm always fascinated because I think I know your take on this, but Jesus as a kid, Jesus, Jesus as a person, really, you know, Jesus didn't sin, but do you think that he did things like stub his toe yeah. Uh, trip. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I just always find that an interesting because when we say Jesus is perfect, a lot of the times when I was a kid, yeah. oh, well, he must have always had the right thing to say, never any awkward silence, and he must have never stubbed his toe or said, ouch. Or, Whatever struggles you have had or, or been tempted with, the temptation was there for him mm-hmm. because he was human. He He had flesh. But he never went to a sinful place with those temptations. He never said yes to them. Yeah. So, yes, the things that you struggle with and you're maybe you're running through those in your mind, thinking, but my struggles are really they're very wrong or whatever. Well, that's yeah. I mean, sin is wrong. So those kinds of things. I do believe that Jesus was tempted. It tells us in Hebrews that he was tempted in every way. Yeah, I I really uh, fill in the rest of the. Here's the rest of the story when Satan is, you just hear about three temptations when he takes him around after he fasted for 40 right. days and he was weak. Um, but he had him for more time than that. I, I'm, I'm imagining that he was tempted in every possible way that the ways that we're tempted today. You know, it's fascinating. Jesus tells us the first greatest commandment is to love the Lord, our God, our God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. You've even heard it maybe translated with just the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and taking care of, you know, the whole there. But the, it was those ways that Satan tempted Jesus in the desert. Um, you know, when he tempted him with bread, that would have been very body. That would have been very physical. When he tempted uh, him with, hey, I will give you these nations if you bow before me. That was definitely um, something he would have struggled with spiritually, maybe. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Then there was the whole part of his heart, trying to give his whole heart over to God. And he said, okay, if you throw yourself down from this temple and the angels will catch you. Yeah. And he's like, all right, now you're just messing with my position as the son of God. And that's my dad. And you can't go there with me. So, but Jesus, he met him head on with each temptation and he, he was without sin. 
But that's another story. Then we Carter. get into another podcast there. My goodness, yeah. But uh, I, so okay. The fourth next one. one. The, the fourth, fourth one. The fourth one. Uh, so there was uh, there was Zachariah. There was Mary. There was Joseph. Mm-hmm. And then there was. Do you know? Um. See, I, I I'm gonna ruin one of them if I start guessing. You're not gonna ruin. Okay. Well, there's one. Don't ruin it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people think in this next encounter there may have been singing involved. Ah, uh, yes, this is this is probably the third most famous. The Shepherds, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, on the night, on this is what we think of as Christmas Eve. Because mm-hmm. they, they got to the stable that night. Right. And I will tell you that on the 11th day of Christmas, we have so many fun things to talk about with the Shepherds. It's probably one of my favorite ones. Because I think most of us can relate to the Shepherds. Okay. The wise men are amazing. Yeah. But I, They're super I smart. never lived in a palace, right? No, no. And so, but the shepherds, they have so much relatability to you and me, and I can't wait for the 11th day. But yes, the shepherds, uh, they get this visitation. First, it's just Gabriel. Hey, wait, no, 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 don't be afraid. Don't freak out. Because especially at nighttime, can you imagine? It's dark. They don't have street lamps out there. They're in the middle of a field one mile out from Bethlehem. There is no way. The only fire they maybe had was a campfire. And they were surrounded by sheep. They are used to this day in and day out, maybe the disruption of a wolf or something, but not an just huge archangel in front of them glowing like fire. Yeah. You know? It's hard to even imagine. Oh, yeah. And then after Gabriel tells them the news, hey, go to the city of David, go to Bethlehem, and there you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then this entire chorus of angels. And we call it a chorus of angels because we think maybe they sung. Glory to God, mm-hmm. you know, but it doesn't say they sang. It just said they said glory to God, whether they sang or they spoke. It doesn't really matter. There was now there's not just one huge Thor looking angel. Now there's like, whoa, <laughs> a ton of them sky is full of them. Yeah. Now, these were Jewish individuals. Yes. So they would have known we're waiting on this guy. Um, we're waiting on the, the Messiah. Rescue. Yeah. Yeah. And that that did you think they put the it was it indicative that they put that together? Do you think they knew who they were going truly to see that this was the one they've been waiting on? I think they knew exactly who it was. And I'm not going to tell you until day 11. Oh, my goodness. And I got to tell you until day 11. Dude, as 10 to and why. 11 are the days I want to get to here. Well, I'm almost I, I would say 99.9 percent sure. Like Germex. I'm 99.9 percent right. sure. Yeah. That I know the answer to that question was, yes, they knew exactly who that was. OK. I think you weren't going to tell us till day 11. But I'm not going to tell you how they knew. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, All right, do you know the next one? Uh, okay, so that was that, was that and then they mm-hmm. go to the stable and everything. Um, again, I might ruin it. No, you're not going to ruin it, but it is the wise men first. <laughs> <laughs> then good, I can guess the last one. Now, this one is interesting. This one is the one that's probably the one that's most fuzzy to me. Because it's a, it's a vision, it's a dream, mm-hmm. kind of like Joseph. And if you think about, yeah, I don't know about you, whenever you dream really vividly, some days, depending on what you ate the night before, you remember it perfectly. And then there are days where it's like, oh, that was so clear. And then you can't remember any of it. Yeah, yeah. The, this one stuck with them. And this was where, for them to leave in the first place, or this was when they were on the way back, don't don't go by Herod's again. They did not receive a vision. It doesn't say in Scripture they received a vision to go to Bethlehem. They saw the star. They just saw the star and knew what that meant. And they followed and they knew from prophecy and the things that they had read from the prophets what, what that would mean. So when they were... When they were on their way to Bethlehem, they stop off at Jerusalem and Herod, first of all, is very undone with the fact that, oh, another king was born, huh? Because they're like, where's the new king? What new king? Yeah. 
But he hides his feelings, his jealousy, his rage. And he pretends like, oh, I'm interested in worshiping him too. So when you go find him, you just let me know. Well, they found out through the prophet Micah and the wise men that Herod himself had had at the palace that it was going to be in Bethlehem. So that's where they went. They found Jesus. They present him with the gifts, as we talked about in day three. And then Gabriel warns them in a dream, don't go back. Yeah. That guy is two-faced. He is not who you think he is. Yeah. How do you imagine Herod when you think about what he looked like? I want to know how you imagine him first. I think it's going to be, and I think it just depends on, if you were raised in church, it might be due to the picture you had in Sunday school. Yes. He looks like Mr. Clean. (laughs) Yes. To me, he looks like Mr. Clean. That's what I... Except Mr. Clean is friendly. Well... And I think handsome. I think Herod is... He's just, he's just got, I don't know. He's a mean Mr. Clean. But he doesn't have a big beard or anything in any of the pictures you've seen, I guess, huh? And do you remember, uh, no? Do you remember when you were a kid, the Disney cartoons, when they would have the little angel pop down on Donald Duck's uh-huh. shoulder yeah. and the little devil? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so Mr. Clean is the angel Donald Duck and oh, interesting. would be the devil I'll have to look Donald that up Duck. again. Okay. He's yeah. really, but yeah, he's got the, that look about him. And that or just, you know, just, I don't know, a roly-poly man who has to make up for the fact that he feels less than I don't I don't know like Napoleon syndrome is that what you're saying maybe yeah yeah which you know that's that's another part of not finding your identity and where it belongs in the first place yeah but he clearly was he was intimidated he was threatened by a baby a baby you know he was scared by prophecy he knew there was something to it but I don't know isn't that interesting to me like I I get intimidated you know you, you think about the best thing that about yourself that your mm-hmm. your biggest talent and when you are told that somebody can do it better than you somebody can always do it better than you you just may you may not be in a circle where there is somebody better than you right now and that he was just thinking oh I don't want anybody better than me at this king thing like it it just shows that we should have humility in everything because somebody and definitely God is yeah. going to be bigger than all of us and better than all of us. There's a lot of stuff that went down with the kings of Israel that went south quick. And Herod, there were many Herods, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, my favorite Herod is when you shop at London. <laughs> That's enough. Stop it, potluck. Sorry. Okay. Right. So, um, yeah. And of course he would be intimidated. He was intimidated by, by everybody. He was intimidated possibly by his own child. People would kill off family members because they didn't want him succeeding the throne or, or after they were gone. Or It was weird. It's crazy. It's crazy. So the, the last and final angel encounter. I guess. And I say that on this side of Egypt. Okay. Yeah. Yep, so yep, 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 the, yep. for the full Christmas story up until Egypt, not after, because there were there was another angel visit after that. But. This is where, it because of Herod, mm-hmm. it was time to leave. Yeah. And it was another dream to yes. Joseph. And said, you got to get out. Don't delay. Mm-hmm. And that was one. I think we've done a, maybe somebody spoke here at our KSBJ staff prayer. That just the another tribute to, to Joseph that he didn't delay. He did it. He didn't get up and sip his coffee. He got up and went and got that child, got the Messiah out of there. Right. How many times does it take for Kelsey to wake you up if you have to be on time somewhere? Oh, my goodness. I set like six alarms. Yeah. And she's poking me. Honey. Honey. Sometimes it's to stop snoring. Sometimes it's to wake up. Well, it, maybe maybe the answer is an archangel. You have an archangel come and visit you, you're going to wake up. Yeah. And yeah. he did, and he obeyed because guess what? God had been true to his words so far. And so when they left and went to Egypt, it was a very tragic thing that happened. It was something prophesied 
in the book of Isaiah, it talked about Rachel could be heard weeping over her children. Rachel was a very important figure in the Jewish culture because she was married to Jacob, and he was the father of the 12, the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, okay. And um, she was his beloved wife. And every child under the age of two, two years old and under, that was a, a male, was murdered. Every single one of them because of Herod and he, his his out-of-control behavior. He's, I mean, reprobate is a very strong word, but if you could be in a place, I would imagine, I, and I don't, I don't want to sound judgmental or something, but if you're in a place where you have no consideration for a child in that room, just mm. kill them all under the age of two, you have to be in a pretty bad place. And I think reprobate, the definition is like, there's no hope. Yeah. So it was yeah. a very sad situation for so many families. So grateful and celebratory, this moment of Christmas, this time and celebrating. And you think about how something so beautiful and so precious, and it was not free. It cost a great cost to the people involved in the story. Um, and even by association, you know, they were Jewish as well. And if Jesus, if Joseph had not gotten up and obeyed the angel's words, he would have been murdered as well. Hmm. Yeah, it's just crazy to think about all that, all that in, encompassed this whole story. Yes, uh, many people involved. We often just think of Mary and Joseph, but many people involved, and um, it was going to work out how it needed to work out. I mean, that's the thing. If God has a plan for your life today, and clearly that one, the yeah. most important plan, it's going to work out. You think about all those families, though, and you think about who lost their child that day, um, what they must have dealt with, what they went through, the bitterness, the frustration. Well, how did it work out for them? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's not going to work out how we think it should work out. Right. But it's going to work out. It is if you trust the Lord. And I've heard from people, because I've never experienced the loss of a child, uh, but I've heard from people who have. And those who have completely released those those painful places, which is a process. It is not a, all right, I'm releasing it. It's done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it's a human thing to feel. Like sometimes you have to you, you pick it back up. And you have to release it again, you know. I just try to think of like. But I was going to oh, say. Oh, sorry. No, that's all right. I just want to finish this thought of that, you know, for those people that I have heard who have gone through it and they are in a place of releasing it to Jesus. The countenance on these people, the peace that they have experienced some, something so profound in being able to release their precious child over to their creator and being able to do it without it being. Yes, I know. I need to release him mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. to God and he created him. I get it, but I selfishly want to keep him. I mean, those are things that they do struggle with and thought, but they always try to bring it back to that place of, but I am choosing to release. It, it's incredible to behold. I, I was, uh, I try to think of the, like the six degrees of separation, like, uh, like, you know, the Kevin, Kevin Bacon, Bacon game, right. Okay. Of just what, how many things down the line did it impact? Um, I was uh, emceeing an event for hope family care ministries. And it's specifically a ministry for parents that have lost a child. Oh. Uh, and, just thinking about, you know, some of these parents even feel responsible because of, of how they lost their child. And if, if, if anything, you know, there's that child's gone from this earth. Um, but then that mother or father is involved in a ministry like this that can have hope that can speak into another family that comes along later and maybe prevent that. I mean, I just think about it like this from, to prevent that parent from taking their own life. Because of, you know, now they were now they're not blaming themselves because they had the 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 uh, 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 counseling is the word I'm looking for of of somebody who's gone through it. And then maybe that person 
is able to, now that they're still here, still with us, having clinging on to hope, shares the gospel with somebody. And then that's the next Billy Graham. I mean, you just see that down yeah. the line, you don't know how God's going to work it out and why. But he will. But he will. And he is just through the message of the story. If I can cling to those moments, especially when I'm in the valley times, feel in the valley moment because yeah. I have lost and I am feeling it. You know, that God is true to his word. He's consistent. He fulfills his word. He will make all things good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And he does it through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That will be back uh, tomorrow for uh, episode seven. I do want to say mm. uh, I was worried about my my friend. He, his cat was uh, was having some some issues a couple feels, of days ago. It feels like a setup. But no, I'll, I'll bite. No, his yeah, his well, uh, luckily the cat didn't bite. It did eat a ball of yarn, entire ball of yarn. It ate a whole ball of whole yarn. Whole ball of yarn. You say he was going to take it into the vet after mm. a couple. He monitored it for a couple of days because take it into the vet. Everything's fine. Uh, the cat ended up having mittens. And that's going to do it for us today. You know what's great with potluck? What? Those potholder mittens. <laughs> and it's woven together. Okay. <laughs>